And it really mm-hmm. softened mm-hmm. my heart to know that that the hearts of others and mm-hmm. and and the burdens and the shame and the guilt that people carry around their entire lives that they're just waiting for mm-hmm. a release of that they can be freed from it yes Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dimite, and I'm joined here today with my good brother, Brad Pierron yes, and Mr. Aaron man, Richards. Man. And I, I'm always have... afraid we're going to miss. <laughs> <laughs> we do this. If you want to have the most awkward high five ever, just <laughs> hold your hand here and let Aaron go after it. <laughs> I love when Aaron like does high fives to like middle schoolers because like middle schoolers are a little different when it comes to like high fives. This, sometimes, is, this is a great sometimes start to you'll, show. You'll put your hand up for a high five five to a middle schooler and they actually won't like put their hand up either and you're just like oh my gosh did no one teach you human interaction yeah. that when the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the hand goes up your hand also goes up it's something called a high five when, okay when that happens to me i'll just reach out and grab their hand <laughs> yeah. and them, like, their or, or i've seen you also air just like kind of like pet their shoulder less of a less of a pet more of a pat oh yeah okay there you go there you go okay so we're also joined here today with one of uh, our missionaries here at damascus miss janine king yeah, so we're we have a fun show we're going to talk a little bit about janine's uh conversion to catholicism the way she fell in love with the Holy Spirit, and um, also just kind of the 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 way she's not only engaging missionary work in the church, but also the mission outside of the church. And I think sometimes us as Catholics, we get uh, we get into this idea that the Catholic Church is just a country club where we serve members only, and it's like, okay, I'm like hardcore doing everything for Catholicism um, because I'm like running my kids like uh, PSR class, and I'm yeah. volunteering for this Bible study, and I'm like. Uh, I read at mass and all of those things are, are virtuous and noble and we need them in the yeah, church. Yeah. But we also need to be equipped missionaries that are poised that when maybe the world is not as Catholic as we want it to be, or the Christian ethos, Judeo-Christian traditions of our culture are being attacked, we're poised and ready to be a voice of truth in the midst of that. Yeah, yeah. And so we're going to have kind of fun with that. It's going to be wild. Which of you want to open in prayer? Who, I do. Who's I got do. it? Okay, I do. okay. He's the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Uh, Jesus, we, we do. We receive that message, mm-hmm. Lord, and uh, we pray for a, a spirit of conviction to fall upon everyone who's listening to today's show. Um, Dan, as you were as you were speaking, the word that was convicting me was that those of us who are engaged in Catholic culture, I think, are even um, more susceptible to believing that because we've done what we have, that 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 nothing more will be expected of us. But mm. um, Lord, I pray that today, even those of us who are actively engaged in the pursuit of our Catholic life, those who are on mission those who seek out sweet podcasts like this to find strength and fulfillment and conviction, that we would realize that we're the ones, mm-hmm. uh, Lord Jesus, who, who, who need to step into a greater call mm-hmm. of mission in our lives. Um, God, show us, uh, break us out of our boxes and show us that, that, that mission territory is everywhere, everywhere we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Father, Son, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> amen. Awesome. I think just to set kind of the the scene for today's episode, um, so, you know, just kind of modern day statistics, we have um, 
we, we look to the, the millennial generation and statistics in America is they're the first generation since the founding of America where there are more people who identify with not being Christian than with being Christian. And so we've officially reached a, a point in American history where we are now a post-Christian nation, if you will. Like we are moving beyond like that unless the trend shifts, we're looking at what it looks like to be a post-Christian nation. And, and what I mean by that is mm-hmm. to some extent... Do we have any good sound effects <clears throat> for that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, what would yours be? Dun, dun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yours duns like D-U-M. I have always spelled it D-U-N. Is it dumb? I think it would be dumb, dumb, dumb. Okay, that's what I think I was going with. My asides are going to derail this podcast today. If you give any little bit of a permission for distraction, I'm going to open the door. So, but when I'm, you know, like... America was founded on Judeo-Christian beliefs and Judeo-Christian virtue and ethics, and yet those Judeo-Christian virtues and ethics aren't necessarily our foundation anymore. Maybe we could just talk for a little bit of what what are we seeing? Like, what's on your heart when you look at the nation? What's a a rise of concern for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the first thing that I see is uh, a people that don't have a true identity, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think that we have so many people in the world today, especially in the Western world, that are pursuing all of these things with no real end in sight, with no real like goal or no real identity that they're coming into, but rather we're doing all of these things to fill a void that we think will then bestow upon us an identity. Mm-hmm. So when I look at the world today, just that lack of identity permits so many things to fill that void. And I think that if we would come back to an understanding that we're working from an identity, not for an identity, I think we would be in a a lot better place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just like people finding just their worth in their work as Mm -hmm. opposed to in who they are as a person, Mm -hmm. you see that. And that's not necessarily in ministry too. In ministry too, right? That my identity becomes I'm in ministry, right? But no, it's actually, that's got to come from somewhere. It doesn't lead. Well, it can lead, but it needs to be the fulfillment of that identity, not the ways by which I achieve that identity. Yeah, so an identity crisis. What else, Aaron? What are you thinking? I mean, I, I feel like I say it just about every show we have, but in the last couple of years, like, I think that the the concept of um, understanding the isolation truly that surrounds our young church, our young population, mm-hmm. at least those we serve here, has just become all the more profound. Uh, mm-hmm. the, you know, the experience of covid um, here in our, at least in our region has, has led to a, to a place where I think people, people just feel so lonely. Hmm. Um, and, and Christianity is the opposite of loneliness. Yeah, correct. So like a, a, a lifestyle of loneliness and isolation is actually, it's, it's diametrically opposed mm-hmm. to, to a lived Christianity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And as we begin, as we begin to accept that as normal, mm-hmm. um, which it, which it feels like in large part, our culture has, mm-hmm. um, th- then I, I think like the, the trajectory is set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are significant. Yeah. Jenny, what's on your mind? I just feel like there's a, a real lack of acknowledging sinful behavior mm-hmm. that it's all about self. It's mm-hmm. all about mm-hmm. what's going to, to give me happiness right at this moment. Mm-hmm. And it's, I just feel like there's such a lack of identifying the difference between truly right and moral behavior versus Mm -hmm. what can actively affect society as a whole 
based on behavior. And so there's a lack of repentance for that. And, and I just feel like it's taking us down a path where everything is acceptable. Mm-hmm. There's literally nothing that is out of bounds yeah. right now. Yeah, and you can't speak out against anything or you're judgmental right. <laughs> or you're like the, you're just, it's, yeah, like there's no permission. I, 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 I get a sense that like when we reject God, the isms become our God. So relativism has become our God that like, yeah, you can't tell me mm-hmm. what's right and wrong. I'm going to find truth mm-hmm. on myself because I've rejected truth himself. Mm-hmm. So now relativism is, is my God or hedonism. Like, right. Like, well, if God doesn't exist and I don't live for heaven, then I just live for this earthly pleasure. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to gain as much pleasure I can here or, rel- uh, there's relativism, hedonism, um, individualism, like you're talking mm-hmm. about, like, mm-hmm. it's so funny that everyone wants like to be like independent. And yet at the same time, this like independence is isolating them and causing them misery. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's relativism, hedonism, consumerism, uh, consumerism right? materialism. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, the isms by their very nature are lenses. They're lenses by which you see the world. Materialism is I see the lens. I see the world rather through a lens of material things. Relativism. I see it through a lens of relativity, yeah. like all those things. And I think what's so funny is when we start putting on those lenses, I think it gets to your point, Janine, that, Look at how many things in our world today we would do to avoid suffering. Yep. Like like everything. Like we would buy the newest thing to avoid the greatest amount of suffering. But like think about this. Like what would you do to avoid sin? Well, it's not as evident. Like it's not as evident to me like all the things I would do to avoid sin, but it's yep. very evident to me all the things I would do to avoid suffering. Well, that's materialism yep. 101. That's relativism 101. That's consumerism 101. That's all packaged into yep. this reality where we've actually lost the gravity of the things of God. And again, like we're obviously speaking as Catholics here at the table, but I I really do think even at a psychological, a philosophical level, like the loss of a transcendent, it immediately puts you in a place where you don't have identity, where Mm -hmm. you're isolated and lonely, where you don't have uh, an idea of the ramifications of something that's not immediate suffering and where you put a bunch of isms into your life yeah. to fill the gap yeah. in between. And I think as Christians, most as engaged Catholics, most of us can identify like, okay, what's happening in the world is not right, right? The things we see on TV sometimes, it's mm-hmm. like, it's frustrating to us. We don't like that. What we hear in politics is frustrating. We don't like that. And and then the question becomes, well, what are we doing about it, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. we have the opportunity to engage in complaining with other Catholics who mm-hmm. get it, but like we just become complainers. And, mm-hmm. and I think we, like, I, I just have hung out with a lot of Catholic complainers in the past who do nothing about it, or we engage to be part of the solution. And yeah. like, I, I think that's Janine really just what you've like, the witness you've been to our missionary community is that you're not just a, Hey, let's play in the sandbox with people who agree with us type of person. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to go out of the sandbox. I'm going to minister to as many people as I possibly can, even if they're not in my sandbox. And I'm going to mm-hmm. try to bring them into this church that we we have and then also it's like okay there's there's people that's throwing like sand in my face right i'm gonna engage with them as well to teach them that throwing sand isn't the best thing in the world and so you've just been out there engaged in the world and so you're gonna be a great witness to talk about this how do we as catholic missionaries or just catholics uh, called to mission engage in the world but before that why don't you share a little bit about your testimony how did you come mm-hmm. to a relationship with jesus christ and then find yourself in the catholic church Yeah, I mean, honestly, Dan, the conversation we're going to have today, it's only truly by the grace of God and through my conversion process 
that I am even able to approach someone who has a different thought than I do to be able to have a level-headed conversation with them and, mm. and hope to understand their point of view versus just force my point of view on them. I used to be that person, the person who, who only wanted my way or there's no other way but my way and I'm not even going to listen to your story and, and how I could possibly relate what I want to do to that. And, and if you disagree with me, I'll call you names. Yes, exactly. I mean, it right. was it was that you know it was it was it was that bad. That's that was the person I am. And then through my conversion, I truly met the person of Jesus and became mm. someone different. Mm. I mean, there was there was a there was a specific moment in that process where I I changed. I became different. Mm-hmm. Um, That's <clears> awesome. It's like uh, when Paul says, "Whoever's in Christ Jesus is a new creation. Mm-hmm. The yes. old has passed away. New things have come." Mm-hmm. It really happens. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so seven years ago. Um, a friend of mine, I was feeling very disconnected from my faith. And, and, uh, at the time I was in the Lutheran church and I, I had always had questions about, uh, you know, where, who wrote the Bible? I mean, because the, (laughs) the Lutheran church basically started in like around 1520. And so it was like, well, where did we get the Bible? And was it just a big game of telephone tag all those years? And, <laughs> and, and I mean, it was truly like, I had no idea the history, the first 1500 years of the church. And so there were always questions in the back of my mind that, you know, is this real? Like, the, did this really happen? The first step to becoming Catholic is asking questions. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. right? I uh, mean, seeking truth, yeah, that's mistake. really what it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was really this process, this critical thinking process of, like, seeking truth. Yeah. And so um, hmm. a friend invited me to do a, a study, and I had zero desire to go because I knew that it was only going to be Catholics hmm. who were there. And I'm like, I'm going to be the only non-Catholic there. And she said, that's okay. You'll know somebody because it was a big church in our town and probably right. I will know somebody. And they had childcare, which sold me like immediately. I had two young kids. I needed a break. And so I thought <laughs> five weeks, okay, five weeks, an hour and a half. I can, I can suck it up. There and you go. That was the best <laughs> evangelization tip you guys will ever uh, hear yes, on this podcast. Yes, Mom needs a break. Yes. Yes, Give childcare. Yes. <laughs> uh, definitely. That is one thing I think the Catholic church needs to work on is making sure there's childcare for all of their opportunities. Um, but I, from going in, when I showed up that first day, um, it, I found out that it was a Marian consecration study. And I, having grown up in the Lutheran church, having grown up really with a father who cursed the Catholics that uh, were coming out of mass on Sunday morning because they had somebody directing traffic and it would hold us up from getting home. <laughs> and would be like, yes, damn, Catholics. Oh, sorry. I know this is a Catholic podcast, yes. but, you You're know. just testifying to your, yeah. your past. Right, right, yeah, right. And, and so it was like all the same, you know, I believed all of the the untruths that other people believed, yeah. right? Yeah. Like yeah. that the, the Pope was just some figurehead appointed by Rome and that, um, you know, Mary, that Catholics worship Mary and all, all the things, right? And so when I came that first day and it was a Marian consecration study, it was like, whoa, what the heck is that? <laughs> like, I don't even know what that uh-huh. is. And it was like consecration, <laughs> consecrating to Mary. And then it was yeah. like, now this is really like, eh, you, that, you do worship yeah. Mary. Yeah. You know, it's now, it's now definitely a good thing you have child care, you know? Yeah. Right. It's now definitely a good thing. Yeah, so... 
So what I found, though, was through that process, there was a woman there. Her name was Alma, and she just exuded Jesus. Everything Mm. she said was just Christ speaking. Mm. And um, through conversations with her and then through her challenging me to to bring Mary in uh, throughout the five weeks that we're doing the study into my life, and then she said something that was really profound to me. Right before I started having this disconnected feeling, uh, my grandfather had passed away, and he was a huge role model in my life. And um, and he was also a Catholic. Um, but due to circumstances, my brother and I were not raised in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so after his passing... It, it was devastating because I had just had our third child and I was unable to attend the funeral and really say my goodbyes to him. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so it, I think all of these things played into it. Uh, but one of the things that one of the people at the study said, she, when I was questioning, you, you pray to Mary and, you know, why aren't you just praying to Jesus and all of that? And they said, have you ever known anybody who's died? And I, and I did, obviously. My grandfather had just passed away not too long before. And they said, do you ever pray or do you ever talk to, to your grandfather? And I said, well, yeah, at night when, as I mentioned, I had, I had an infant at the time. And when I would be up in the middle of the night nursing her and I'd be talking to my grandfather. And, mm-hmm. and she said, it's just like that with mm-hmm. Mary. Mm-hmm. And, and who better to talk to than than Mary, mm-hmm. the mother of our Lord. And it was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like yeah. this light bulb went off in my head. Oh, and I was like, that's beautiful. okay, so that night I went I went home and I, mm-hmm. I used to have a lot of insomnia issues. And I woke up at night and I said, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to ask Mary to, to help me go back mm-hmm. to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I immediately mm-hmm. fell back to sleep. Well, and then from then on, yeah. it was just one thing after another. Um Someone told me to read the book Room Sweet Home by Scott Hahn. And and when I did that, it literally so answered mm-hmm. every single question I had ever had about my faith. And mm-hmm. it was like, mm-hmm. this is real. Like, yeah. this is real. And this is the fullness of truth. Mm-hmm. And that was when I made the, the decision to become Catholic. And then... All kinds of things followed. I mean, we could have a whole entire podcast on just those things, but signs from from Jesus mm-hmm, to continue mm-hmm. on the path. It was not an easy, um, you know. I know that you all know when when uh, when when someone is making a decision in their life that's going to lead them closer to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It opens the opportunity for spiritual attacks mm-hmm, to happen, mm-hmm. and that was what happened to me. The mm-hmm. whole first year after making that decision. And entering RCIA, it was one attack after another mm-hmm. where different parts of my life were were shed, um, mm-hmm. where physical I had physical manifestations mm-hmm. of um, of attacks. Mm-hmm. I I had um, family members who turned their backs on me. Mm-hmm. I had friends who turned their backs on me. Uh, my husband entering Lent when oh by the grace of God, my husband and um, and all of my children have followed me in on this journey, yeah, so we are yeah. all now Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're uber Catholics too. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. passionately, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes, no, we good. do love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that Lent, he went to his first men's conference, and That's he awesome. left there with the single worst migraine of his life. And mm-hmm. come to find out, four years later, he had a benign brain tumor and a very precarious um, position, but. 
but it was then that that we started mm-hmm. that process with him too. So it's it has been a continual refinement process over the last seven years. Mm-hmm. But I would say that through all of that first year, the one there were actually two two moments during mm-hmm. that first year that really stick out to me. Um, com- as I mentioned before getting into my conversion story, I was a different person mm-hmm. prior to my conversion. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the day that I sat and had my first reconciliation. Mm-hmm. 40 years of sin. And mm-hmm. and I mean, mm-hmm. real sin yeah. having to be confessed. Uh, and in looking in the eyes mm-hmm. of a man who I had, had really grown to love and friendship, mm-hmm. um, Father Mike Gentry, mm-hmm. And, and having to confess all of that to him uh, really changed me. And it mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. softened my heart to know that, that the hearts of others and, mm-hmm. and, and the burdens and the shame and the guilt that people carry around their entire lives, that they're just waiting for mm-hmm. a release of that. They can be freed from it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that can only be done through Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and through... Mm-hmm. through 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 the feeling that you get when you discover mm-hmm. your identity in Him, speaking of you know what you yeah. what you brought up, the other the other instance was I remember at Easter Vigil, um, at this point in time, uh, my my parents had actually made my mother having grown up Catholic, as I mentioned, my grandfather's Catholic, my mother having mm-hmm. grown up Catholic, she had made her way back into the church about ten years prior. Mm. Um, and then my father had a massive conversion experience, and he was in the church at the time as well. And so, and they never pressured me. They, you know, they they were always they always mm-hmm. were very supportive of us remaining outside the church. Um, but then I remember at that vigil, I remember when I, uh, after receiving Jesus for the first time. Hmm. And I and I will tell you that every single Sunday from the moment I made the decision to convert, mm-hmm. every single Sunday I would sit in the Mass and I would weep mm-hmm. during the Eucharist mm-hmm. because I just couldn't wait to receive Him mm-hmm. fully. Yeah. And so um, at the vigil, when I received Jesus, and I will say... That <clears throat> another note to the Catholic Church: um, make sure you practice with your people how <laughs> to receive <laughs> because when they go up for the first time and they're like, "I have no idea what I'm doing," um, your old habits might come out. And so instead of receiving Jesus, I kind of took, took Jesus. <laughs> oh, we do teach a second graders <laughs> not to do that. Yes. Yeah, right? receive, don't like, take. Yes, we gotta take. Don't yeah. assume adults know yeah. this. You know, let's like we should walk no, through the process. Good. But um, I guess. I was like super anxious. Like I finally got to. It's have the first Jesus. time you weren't crying, yeah. so you could actually see what right. was happening. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. that's good. So <laughs> receiving him um, finally, and the first my first communion was amazing. My second communion was even better, and now I don't even know yeah. how many communions I've had. But every time it gets better. Six hundred and forty-four. It's so good. Yeah, and then and then standing there and, and receiving my confirmation and looking mm-hmm. out and mm-hmm. seeing my mother's mm-hmm. eyes mm-hmm. and just catching eyes with her and. And she was nodding her head like this. This is so good. Yes. And so, so that that is what really ignited a fire in yeah. me mm-hmm. 
um, and, and really just change, literally mm. change the course. Of yeah. Life. Well, it, it sounds like the process of coming to life, you know, like, <laughs> and like, I, I mean like the yeah. fullness of life, like that is like the freedom and everything you're expressing. And I, I love like how you were just chatting about, like, as you were turning towards the light, it's so funny because, um, darkness has an aversion to light, but the only way darkness beats light is if you turn the light out right? Like that's the only way light always transcends. So any, anything that comes in our path between the moment that we say yes and the end of our life with the Lord, anything that comes in our path, as long as we keep the light on it, it's passing right yeah. by its nature, the light doesn't pass. And just, just the fact that you guys all stayed with that and the life of the Lord's bride is just, it's so, yeah. it's really beautiful. I think the sacramental life of the church too is meant to transform us. And it's neat when you have like that moment when the sacraments are more closely united, like for many yeah. of us, the sacraments were spread out throughout our life. And so that transformation of the first confession mm, after mm. 40 years, uh, or the first reception of the Holy <laughs> Eucharist when you had lived your life without the Holy Eucharist or like, mm. oh my gosh, like I'm receiving the fullness of the gift of the Holy Spirit right yeah, now. Right, like, right. That's actually rather overwhelming to think of all of that all at one time, which is pretty sweet and exciting. Mm. So is. the, there's a, there's a, this, um, so you, you have a missionary zeal, Janine, like that when a lot of times when there's a church event going on, a parish mission or, or something like something happens happening at the church. Like, I think the, the, the typical thing I've noticed of, uh, normal Catholic behavior is I'm going to invite people who are Catholic, who I think will say yes. Right. And so it's like, if I'm going to invite someone, it's going to be someone who I, I, I already knows slightly a disciple of Jesus who I think have a high propensity of saying yes. You, you tend to just be like, I'm just going to invite everyone and reach out pretty boldly to lots of people with lots of walks of life. How do you do that? Number one, like uh, uh, tactfully. And then secondly, like what's, what's the impulse there? What drives you to do that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that the way that you, that the way that I tend to invite people is, well, first I would say that, that I try to live my life in an, um, evangelical spirit, yeah, right? Sure. Like where, where I feel like I'm, I'm constantly finding ways that I can evangelize to people. And so, so people know my heart right from, from the get go. Like yeah. I love Jesus and I invoke the name of Jesus in pretty much every conversation <laughs> I have with people. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't really have fear of, of asking someone at that moment, I think mm -hmm. this is another place where we as Catholics struggle a lot is uh, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, will you pray for this situation? Mm -hmm. I think we really struggle with saying, let's, yeah, I will definitely pray for you, but let's pray right now. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. and I think that, that we as Catholics need to learn to be a little bit more bold in that. And so, so I think Jesus emboldened me through my conversion process to feel comfortable in those situations where, where, uh, I, I don't hesitate. Like mm -hmm. every, every bit of my being stems from my relationship with Jesus. And so, mm. so to approach someone and invite them into that is, has become a natural thing to me, but also for the expectation of those around me who, who are outside of the church who maybe have ne are, who are unchurched entirely mm -hmm. that there there should be an expectation that 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 invitation is going to come yeah. just simply by mm -hmm. by the shirts that I wear around <laughs> town that say like you know become like Christ In or Jesus is Lord yeah right I mean that's yeah. you know so so I I would I would say that that that's probably the reason why it comes so easily yeah. the other thing too is I feel like I was I was always part of 
like this lost sheep. Like I always felt like one of those lost sheep. I bartered with God a lot throughout my life. Um, Lord, if you do this, I'll stop doing this. You know, it's different sinful behavior mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. that I had taken on. And um, and so I think I always felt like one of those lost sheep. And now I want to I want to go out and invite yeah. the lost sheep to come and encounter mm-hmm. what I've encountered in yeah. the church because there's there are so many. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's got, there's gotta be that like desire that like, man, like I want everyone to know. And I guess I'm just going to put myself out there. It's funny that you say you're comfortable doing that. Cause I think most people probably aren't necessarily comfortable doing it. So it's a matter of like, how do I press through the discomfort to do it? But when, when your life is like, I guess, shamelessly a poster board for evangelization and for Jesus Christ, there is to an extent, comfortability. Like I'm not, uh, if, if I'm a mailman, I'm not uncomfortable to walk up to someone's house and stick the mail in the slot because that's like, everyone knows as a mailman, I'm going to walk up to the house and right next to your door and put the mail there. Like as a Christian, everyone should just know it's natural that I'm going to come and, and pray with you or invite you into Christ Jesus. But that's awesome. I mean, I think that as you all know, invoking the name of Jesus is probably one of the most controversial names that you can invoke in yeah. the middle of a conversation. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. When you invoke the name of Jesus, it draws a, it, well, it draws a eyes, line. you know, what, what's coming next yeah. after that statement? Well, I've made a stand, right? Because yes. I've drawn a line and I've said, like, the, the side of truth that I, I find myself on is with this man. Right? Yeah. And that just is, as soon as you say his name, it's not. Yeah. yeah. I try to do that as often as possible. I said a uh, kind of just a secular Halloween, I mean, not Halloween, a Christmas party one time, you know, it was like some, like someone's business. And my wife and I are having this conversation with this couple and, um, they, it was, it was hilarious because just in the, in the natural conversation, she says something. I'm like, like, I was like, Oh wow. Praise Jesus. And she's like, what? <laughs> and she hits her boyfriend on the shoulder. She's like, he just said, praise Jesus. And it was like, it was, it was actually, funny yeah. because yeah. it was just so from your startling. And I think sometimes I hang out with so many Christians that you don't even like, like hmm. even know that like that is a that can be like oh wow Jesus's name was just spoken and uh, I, th- I there's power in that of just yeah. and and actually then it got the conversation redirected into uh, a conversation about the Lord which yeah. is really neat yeah um, awesome so Janine you had some like there's one thing about going from like. Um, like entering the Catholic church and then kind of discovering like, Oh wow. The Catholic church like has like this thing called the charismatic renewal happening and the spirits alive and all of that. What was the process of like coming into life in the Holy spirit for you? Yeah. Uh, uh, after coming into the Catholic church and being so lit on fire for Jesus, just because I knew I was like, yes, I have the fullness of truth. This is so amazing. And when I did that though, it came into a church that I felt like was, was, dead. I mean, it was just like, mm. why is nobody else excited about this? And <laughs> why does nobody feel what I feel? And why do people walk into the mass and they're just like, so, you know, their mm-hmm. faces are, they're not smiling. They're not happy to be there. Um, just checking off boxes. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I think it was really for me, a, a, a process where I wanted people to feel the fire that I felt. Yeah. And so, um, through the course of um, conversations with people, I was introduced to Damascus through a friend of mine who whose children had come the very first year that this campus was opened. Hmm. And um, she was like, oh, my gosh, if you want your kids to feel what Holy Spirit hmm. has, 
send them there. And I was mm. like, okay. And so I sent my daughter, who was the only one that was old enough at the time. And I remember coming to a closing, my first closing mass here and being like, whoa, like this is mm -hmm. so different. This is, this is amazing. Like it was palpable, the, the, the spirit. And, and so, um, so literally for, for two years, my kids came to, up to camp for every opportunity they could possibly have to be on campus. Uh, and then I ended up becoming a full-time missionary yes. with Damascus um, mm -hmm. in, my, in my job. And, um, and I'm going to take one step back. One of the things, just because I think this is important to explain, one of the physical ailments that I suffered that first year during my conversion was I received an injection in my left shoulder that left me without the ability to use my left arm for about three months completely. And then it was another five years of working with various doctors, um, different therapies, all tried everything, surgery, until my doctor finally released me from care. And he was basically like, please don't ever come back. I can't do anything more for you. I'm releasing you. And so... <laughs> so I've, never heard, I've never heard of a doctor uh, saying that. You're no, hopeless. It's been <laughs> so long that I think we're Leave cutting Leave me alone. Yeah. I know. And well, what, was, what was the problem with your arm? Yeah, so I had... Um, basically through the course of all the treatments that I had done. And then finally with surgery, I had very limited mobility, con continued limited mobility in my left arm where I couldn't raise it higher than this. I could, I had no, um, I don't know what that is. What range the, of motion, range of motion this way. I couldn't reach my hand behind my head. And so, um, so anyway, so fast forward now, yeah, come man. to work for Damascus um, and, and there was a process behind that, that there's been so much healing, uh, through my spirit, through um, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, mm -hmm. um, having come to Damascus and truly being immersed with the missionary program here yeah. mm -hmm. and, and really learning and understanding the power behind Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and how he works in our lives mm -hmm. and how we have the ability to call on him to work in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. And and I think a lot of people don't believe that they have that power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when I started to come to the understanding, the truth behind that power that mm -hmm. I carry, mm -hmm. um, where when that happened, really, I mean, I again, I'm getting all this, I'm getting all this knowledge, and I'm experiencing people wanting to pray with me, and mm -hmm. and um, laying hands, and 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 I'm seeing things happen around campus, but nothing had really happened mm -hmm. to me mm -hmm. personally, right? And so I happened to come up to camp one day to pick up um, my mail, and I walked in, and I. I only came in to grab my mail because I was sick yeah. and I remember walking in the door and Emily said, Oh, you're, you know, you're going back home. And I said, yeah, I've got a cold. And she said, Oh, she said, did you get your flu shot this year? <laughs> and I said, Oh, funny thing. You know, I, I don't really do injections anymore. I had a situation that happened. And so I'm a little fearful of it. And yeah. she was like, Oh, and I, and I said, I still have limited, range of motion with my left shoulder. It's never been healed. I have, I live in constant pain. And so then she said, well, have you ever had anybody pray 
with you for healing? Dun, dun, dun. Back to those Not dumb this time. Not dumb. And I was like, you know, no, I really haven't. And it's like, why did I not ever have anybody pray with me for it? Um, so yeah, she, we, we have we have little because we ask for little often, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that, it says you that in the book because of James. you ask not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think a lot of times, at least for me, it was like, I'm all, I'm, yes, I'll pray for you. Yes, I'll pray for you. Yes. I'll, but I never felt like I was worthy of yeah. of receiving healing. I guess mm-hmm. I never felt like I was truly uh, someone who Jesus would choose to mm-hmm. heal yeah. physically. As mm-hmm. if he has a limit to how many things he can do, right? right. No, we yeah. do get that yes. in our head. It's like, yes. well, if he gives this to me, he can't give it to someone else. Yeah. So we need to ration this off appropriately. I'll but it's suffer like, and die right. for you, but I won't heal your arm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, so kind of wrapping up this story, like what happens? Like, Yeah. So she says, let's lay hands on you. Great. Get some missionaries. They all get in a circle, lay hands on me. Mm-hmm. Immediately, I start feeling super hot. Uh-huh. And I, of course, I'm like, it's the heater behind me. Yeah, and right, it's, right, you right. know, I'm trying to rationalize in my brain. And it's then not I get the Holy this, Spirit. No. Right? No, <laughs> it's never, no, it's, it's, it's never that. Yeah. And then I start feeling like this manifest, this physical manifestation of like floating. And, and it was just like you, a euphoric feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, I'm rationalizing that too. And, of course. and so when they're finished praying, I just said, Oh, thank you. That was really lovely. You know? And, and I got back in my car and I started down the hill. I didn't test it. So as I'm driving down the hill, I'm like, I should probably test this. And so immediately, like full restoration, (laughs) for those who are watching, you know, I have full range of motion. And so the Lord chose to heal me. And for the next 24 hours, every Mm -hmm. single nerve in my shoulder from my elbow just fired Mm. over and over and over. Mm. It was like he was restoring everything in my arm to Mm. full full use. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that was really amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing. And 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 that for me was the moment when it was like, yes, we have this power. We as lay people through our baptism, our confirmation, mm-hmm. ha- in the receipt of the Eucharist, you know, I mean, that gives us the grace and the power to mm-hmm. to go out and on mission. Yeah. And perform. Yeah. Okay. So the real question: deeds. Did you ask? Did you go back to the doctor? I I did. <laughs> I did. Yes. I did because I had to show him. Oh, you know? I was, yeah. Yes. I mean, it, you know, and I actually took this, a video of it because yeah, I had good. like a, I, you know, it was just like, and then I actually took that video and posted on social good. media because I wanted to show Yeah, it people, should be. It should be celebrated. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we have that, to learn to celebrate yes, those things we've got to learn yes. to talk about it more. Yeah, well, it's a big deal. Like, that's such a big deal. I oh, think sometimes so people exciting. are actually afraid to share their testimony because they're like, oh, well, maybe maybe people won't think it's real. It's like, no, it's real. You're like, And actually, your testimony video is so cool because you had a video of you not being able to move your mm-hmm. arm all the way and then the video of you being able yes, to move your so arm powerful. all the way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I remember talking with Emily about that story too. It, mm-hmm. You know, we, we spoke earlier about about when somebody asks to pray that I can step out in that moment and pray. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Emily's been a missionary with us for what, six years now, mm-hmm. close to it. And uh, that, I think that was, if not the first, one of the first times that she had actually Healed. Pray, pray yeah, with somebody pray for healing. healing. Yeah. Yes, and, and I remember I remember speaking with her that that when you when you said that she initially um, had an experience where where she was kind of shy about that and fighting off the the yeah. like that that voice of the Lord in her mind telling her it's time time to go for it. Well, yeah, they, oh, I know. Yeah, can be a wrestle, right? Imagine that. Yeah. And, and I think like I, I love. Um, so Thomas Aquinas says that God is present or God is made available in everything by essence, presence, and power. 
essence, presence, and power that, that he's perpetually existing in us. And like, so with that though, like the power you're talking about, like it's, it's always available to us. Like the power of the Lord is always available to us. What that power does in a given moment is his his decision, not mine. But in that moment, the power is there. So I, I only come into agreement with that power and and live from it and just yep. live from that place of knowing you're in me by essence, presence, and power. You're in this person by essence, presence, and power. You're in this situation by essence, presence, and power. And even like with what you were saying earlier and, and you too, Aaron, like it, you were healed by Emily. <laughs> you know, like I think sometimes we're even afraid to be like, well, it was the Lord through Emily. Let's be sure. It's like, yeah. well, are you saying that if it's Emily's credit, the Lord doesn't get any? <laughs> well, no, because that's not Catholic. Right. That actually is it, to a degree. It almost it, goes back to the Marian prayer. If I pray to Mary, am I not praying? No, let, right. Like, it, it, it goes, goes to the first fifteen hundred years of the church. Yeah. That wouldn't have been asked in the first fifteen hundred years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Protestantism brought in the idea that God is the biggest of all possible beings, mm-hmm. but He's not. He is the act of being itself. So every single time you get credit. God gets credit. Yep. It's like when you go to the Sistine Chapel. Michelangelo is not sitting in the corner when you're like, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen going, guys, come on, where's my credit at? <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? It's yeah. like, no, no, no. By the very nature of me affirming the beauty of this thing, mm-hmm. I'm affirming you as creator of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that is the best analogy I've found to that thing of God. Like, no, that was Emily like healing you because God lives inside of her. Like yeah. that, but again, like the apostles, we wouldn't say that, like we would say that Peter's shadow healed yes. people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. course God healed people through Peter's shadow. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's like, it doesn't need to be said. Like of the course. The Holy Spirit didn't get credit for that one. <laughs> yeah. And actually apostles. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm taking I, that up with Luke. I don't, messed up. I don't mean to offshoot it, but I do think it goes into yeah. this idea that like sometimes <laughs> we tend towards complaining and fighting against things more than we fight for things. Which is the perfect transition. So are we going to be like missionaries that are trying to change the world or are we going to be complainers, right? And I think like sometimes we as Catholics, we become Catholic complainers or we become professional complainers where like it's only by the grace of God that I know that relativism is wrong, right? It's only by the grace of God that I know the hedonism or or as you were speaking earlier, Janine, that that a sin is a sin. Only by the grace of God have I received that information. And so what am I doing that that, that to steward that truth? Am I bringing the light into the darkness? Am mm-hmm. I, or am I just like complaining because other people don't quote, get it right? Yeah. It's like, no, I want to transform the nation. Mm-hmm. And That's so Janine, you, you've, you're a mom, um, and, and, uh, your kids have been in school. And like a lot of times, like we see things, whether it's through our school districts, whether it's through kind of our local politics, whether it's, you know, whatever's happening in our, our everyday lives that aren't necessarily, in the church. And we have a a question. Do we engage and bring transformation or do we disengage and just complain? And the Lord's really put it on your heart to become more engaged in your local school district. And just maybe you could share a little bit of that of like, one, what's, what's going on and why are you engaging and and what is like, what's your process and engagement? Yeah. So, I mean, really what I saw happening in our district was, uh, if you want to take the hypersexualization of our of our children through education mm-hmm. right now. I mean that that is exponentially high in our district right now. It's coming in through literature. It's coming in through assignments. It's coming in through sexual education um, and health classes. Mm-hmm. It's coming in through video content that they show in the classroom. So it's a constant bombardment right now of our of our kids and even surveys. You know, we mm-hmm. you know that there's a lot of issues right now with gender identity. And mm-hmm. so as early as sixth grade, these kids are being asked on the first day of school, how do they identify? You know, what pronouns do they use? And wow. and these mm-hmm. kids that are eleven, 
Mm-hmm. These kids who are 11 yeah. who have not even begun to enter puberty yet, mm-hmm. who are like, I'm they, not really even sure that I know what a pronoun uh, yeah, is. Yeah, I didn't learn about pronouns until yeah, seventh yeah, yeah, grade, right. hands down. Yes, <laughs> right? Which pronoun do you identify with? I'm pretty sure I probably don't use pronouns yeah, correctly like, yeah, in the real yeah. word anyway as it is. But I... I mean, on the first day of school, they're being asked this question and it's putting something in their mind yep. that then can lead them down a path mm-hmm. where they they are then living in the in the potential reality of an untruth, yes. right? And so so the, I will tell you, the reason why I got involved in this is when I was in high school for two years of my high school career, as I mentioned... Um, when I had my first confession, I I had a lot of sin to confess, and a lot of that started in high school. Um, but during my high school career, there were two years where I was bullied nonstop, mm-hmm. just constant bullying while I was at school. Luckily, in that day and age, we could escape. Mm-hmm. We left the school. There was no social media to follow mm-hmm. us. We didn't have cell phones. There was none of that. Yeah. So I could escape to my home. Uh, nowadays there is no escape. Mm -hmm. And so what I went through in high school to the point where I was, um, to the point where I remember sitting on my parents' floor one night when they were out Mm -hmm. and, um, and I had my dad's pistol in my hand. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was how I thought I would get out of it. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I never want another child Mm -hmm. to experience what I experienced through Mm -hmm. high school Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw what was happening and I saw the path, these these materials were leading these kids down where they are, you know, right now we've got a situation where... um, the mental health of our youth is, you know, the mental health issues I think are up 30 to 40% in our mm-hmm. youth where they they are running out of hospital beds for mm-hmm. our kids um, to go to. And I think, gosh, I, I mean, if I could save one more soul mm-hmm. from experiencing what I experienced mm-hmm. and from experiencing making choices in their lives that mm-hmm. lead to that sinful behavior mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that can then take them down an identity, you know, their, their lack of identity, mm-hmm. finding their identity in the world, all these things that lead them away mm-hmm. from the truth that Jesus has for them, mm-hmm. then I want to, I want to get involved and I want to, yeah. I want to fight against that as hard as I possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the areas where you see the post-Christian generation manifesting itself so much is in the school systems, whether, and it used to be the university (laughs) systems, and and then it started to creep into the the high school systems, and now it's creeping into the middle schools. And it's like, there's actually, there are agendas that are are anti-Christian or Mm post-Christian that just not at all aligned with Judeo-Christian beliefs, literally infiltrating our entire education system, which creates, if you will, systematic Mm -hmm wrong thinking in yes. young people's minds, which will then just prolong the problem. And yeah. mm-hmm. I think a lot of times our, our 
as Christians, like it's it's hard for us because we're like, well, we don't want to be the weirdos. Like we don't want our kids to be the weirdos, right? Like our yeah, kid has to yeah, go to yeah, school, yeah. and if mom's the one as the school board, like like fighting, then <laughs> then all of a sudden, like which you were, right? Like you you go to the school board and you stand up against the school board, and, and you have a stance, and you have to to be against something that's, that's systematically wrong, and yet, um, like what? How's that going to impact my kid? How's that? And so because of that, a lot of times we don't do anything, or we just assume, oh, well, they're not going to listen anyway, right? Like I can't have any influence. So then we do nothing. Well, we need to let it affect us. I think that was what's so powerful about yeah. what you were saying, Janine, is it's affected you. And I say this to our missionaries all the time, but we, it's not clear in scripture that we have authority over that, which we're frustrated with, mm-hmm. but it's very clear in scripture that we have authority over that, which our heart breaks for. Mm-hmm. And like, we, we, we have to be affected by what's happening in the world. Like it, it needs to affect us at our heart because that's the impetus to do something. And like, I, I think about it so often in the context of like, um, of the schools and of the, the young generation, because they're, they're being, they're being literally indoctrinated into what's been lived out for so long, which is your identity is in what you feel and what you do, mm-hmm. not in who you are. And so even by asking the pronouns, it's how do you feel right now? Right, like what, what? What do you do sexually? Because that that gives you your identity. Well, and but we're, no, it's, it's because who we're not we are. finding I, identity in, in what is correct. the way, the truth, and the life. We we're literally saying, well, just make up your identity. Right, right. Yeah. And if, and if our heart doesn't break for it, like we we won't have the authority to change it, and we'll become complainers and not yeah. action driven. And that's that's what drives me crazy. Is as Christians, we were we were made and we are created to actually primarily stand for something and secondarily stand against something. I'm not primarily standing against something. I'm standing for something, which is love incarnate. It's the person of Jesus. And anything that falls short of that breaks my heart. And then I fight against that. But we have so many Christians today that are just looking for something to fight against. That's why we go to donuts after mass and it's all complaining. Well, it's because it's like, we're, 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 we're losing perspective. We're thinking that we are actually primarily against something, not primarily for something. Well, I, and I, if we regain that, we I think we're also, things. we're living with a, a victim mentality instead of a victor mentality. And yeah. so like, if we know we are the resurrected people and we have victory mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus and Jesus Christ has given us dominion of heaven and earth, right? That I actually can walk in victory mm-hmm. that, but we have this like mindset that like, oh man, the world's against us and like, oh, everything's like, and, and so we almost, we convince ourselves that we're losers, yeah. that, that that we've lost this. And, and, and as opposed to like being like, man, I'm going to put myself out there and mm-hmm. see what God does. Yeah, like yeah. the Lord Jesus Christ is the victor. So the Lord, let's reign. Let's have like we're priest, prophet, and king. We have kingly dominion over mm-hmm. this dimension. I just think of like the prophet too. Like if I receive, it's not enough for the prophet to receive the download, like the Old Testament prophets. It wasn't mm-hmm. enough for the Lord to say to them, like, like the, the people are, are worshiping false idols, like their ways are wicked, right? Mm-hmm. That wasn't enough. The prophet mm-hmm. had to go and speak yeah, that yeah. to the people, like mm-hmm. that there has to be receiving the word of God and then actually speaking the word of God. And I feel mm-hmm. like a, a lot of times, yeah, we receive it. Like I've, I've received truth. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Now am I doing anything to yeah, speak yeah. it? Yeah. Let me frame something that I want to get your guys insights in on, because I, I think it, it, it kind of brings this conversation all together that like, we've been talking a lot about sheep in this and how oftentimes we just invite other sheep to the event that we're going to other mm-hmm. people that are already in the fold. I wonder like, if, if the primary reason the church is not fulfilling its duty in the world is because we've become um, 
overly obsessed with just keeping all the sheep together. Cause if you ever go and just look at sheep together, what ends up happening is they end up rubbing against each other and they get frustrated with one another. And I see that in the church all mm-hmm. the time. It's actually when the sheep go out that they're able to, to then come back together and actually live in harmony. But, but if we don't go out, we just get frustrated and complain. But when we go out, there's danger. Jesus says, when he sends the 72, I am sending you as sheep amongst wolves. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, if you have a good shepherd, the shepherd doesn't let the wolves in. So I'm wondering if there's like, I don't know, context to that. I just throw that out there. It's just on my... It's a beautiful image, bro. On, on, I think, on my oh, I think, I think to, to your point, I think the we if if our heart isn't broken over the things that are, that matter the most out in the world, and if we're not focused on bringing transformation in the world, we get, we become inward, and we start becoming yeah. petty about very little things. And we, mm-hmm. we worry about, like, uh, like the sheep start worrying about their own poop, <laughs> as opposed to worrying about, like, the, the fact that the other sheep are literally getting consumed by yeah, wolves it's, out it's there. it's trapped, yeah. or in a creek, or outside the fold. Because, yeah. so, so you said the word that, why does it matter? Because we're made, like, we're built for this. Yeah. And, and when we, when we live a life that's, that's contrary to this, it, it, it's misaligned with our identity. Mm -hmm. So I wondered, Janine, if you might just be able to speak kind of as we bring the, bring the show to a close, Mm -hmm. um, what's the fruit you've seen Yep. and, and not so much even what's the transformation you've seen in a school system, but, but what's the fruit you've seen in your own life and in the life of your family from, from stepping into a place of actually living out of this, this missionary mandate on your life? Yeah. I can't even believe uh, if you would have asked me that question, you know, that if we would, we would not have been sitting here having this conversation, you know, eight years ago. Um, what, what God did for me in bringing me out of my 40 years in the wilderness, that's what I, mm-hmm. I consider that first 40 years, um, at that, ex- at the exact right moment. And this is another place where we have to trust Jesus knows the exact right timing mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. at that time that he brought me out of the wilderness, my son and my daughter, my two oldest were at an age where they could see the transformation that happened in my life. Mm-hmm. They could see how I, I, left in a place of anger and discontentment and now operate in an area of, of love and, and sacrifice. Um, and, and they now want to live their lives that way. I mean, it has set them completely on fire for Jesus. Um, my daughter is, enters the high school every day, um, with, you know, just the, the most grateful, servant heart and, Mm -hmm. and expecting attacks and, and she has been attacked, but she has found her identity in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so it allows her to be a beacon of light to others in the high school where there's so much darkness and where, but that, but we talk about light and darkness, right? And it's just in, in a dark room that's completely black, right? You can have one teeny tiny, like pinprick of a frame of a flame. Right. And it, and that shows through all of Mm -hmm. that darkness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I consider her 
that in that world, you know, and, and my son is following in those same footsteps. And my youngest, who is now at St. Mary, she looks up to her older siblings and Mm -hmm. to me and how, and my husband and how we're, we, we live out our marriage vocation. And, Mm -hmm. and she's like, loves Jesus. You know, she's, sleeps yeah. with a rosary wrapped around her hands and <laughs> gets her holy water and blesses like little literally everything <laughs> on her bed every night and all of us and it's just that the lord has worked in powerful ways in our mm. family mm-hmm. that i truly believe um there has been fruit not only born in our family but through the for- fruit born in our family i've been able to take that into the world and most especially recently in our school district mm-hmm. and really affect change there and really be able to have these conversations about Christ, Mm -hmm. but on a secular level Mm -hmm. so that there is commonality there without forcing Christianity on a population but yet you start to see Christianity mm-hmm. and Christian beliefs and yeah, I don't want to force it. I just want to impart it. Yeah. Well, and just the importance of like the, like a, a school district is a, it can feel like a mountain, right? That's and right. the Lord says, if, if you have faith that you can say to these mountains, get up and move and they will move. And I think hmm. that like, as, as you've engaged the school district, cause it's not like, Oh, I'm going to just talk to my, my kid's teacher, or I'm going <laughs> to talk to my principal. This, like you're engaging an entire school district with multiple schools and, and you're having success. And like, uh, you've been with the school board, you've been with the superintendent and, uh, and you're seeing like actual breakthrough, uh, in conversation and, and, and changes on the horizon. It's almost as if through faith, like the mountain is moving. Yeah. And, and what what are you seeing? Let, let me there? just yeah. Let me just. I want to tell a quick story because I just want people to understand who are listening to this that the Lord really truly works when you call on His name. Mm-hmm. And so I have from the very beginning. This my process with the school started about two years ago, and from the very beginning, I identified two people that I was going to be interfacing with quite a bit who were either outside of the church entirely, they they grew up Catholic but had fallen away, or were lukewarm Catholics. And um, and one of the things I, had, and I identified in that person was that he had lost his identity in the Lord mm-hmm. and that, um, that he felt like he, we were on completely different spectrums of our faith journey. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just... That's just not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Lord wants both of us in relationship, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he actually probably was seeking out his soul more than mine at the time, now that I think about it. To because, find the lost. I mean, right. Seek I mean, save what was lost. Yes. And so I was just a conduit for that. Mm-hmm. One night I had gone to a board meeting and I had spoken at the board meeting about something that was really on my heart. And I left that board meeting just feeling just like the weight of the world on my shoulders. Lord, how can, how is it, how are we ever going to make change here? I just, I can't see it. And I drove straight from there to uh, the church and I worshiped in adoration for about an hour, just weeping and and calling on the Lord to help me. And, Hmm. and he Mm -hmm. highlighted for me that there was a rosary that I was in possession with of that I needed to, to give to this person. So the next day I sent a message to this person and I just said, Hey, and he's one of the top administrators in, in our school district. And I said, can we get together? I just feel like there's something that's on my heart that I need to share with you. 
And so that day, uh, I spoke with him about some things that were on my heart. And then I proceeded to give him that rosary. Mm. And, and it was really, for me, that was a huge step out of my comfort zone sure. with this person. And when I gave him the rosary, he got very emotional and started to cry. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, the best five years of my life were when my grandfather would take us to mass every morning and we would pray the rosary before and after mass. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that, wow. praying yeah, before yeah, yeah. and the rosary before and after <laughs> and mass. And those were the best <laughs> years of your childhood? <laughs> <laughs> but he said those were the best, most fruitful five years of mm-hmm. his life. Mm-hmm. And so he had a real devotion to Our Lady and to the rosary. And so it broke open a part of his heart softened a part of his heart that could allow the Lord to start entering in. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. In in other conversations. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just listening to the Lord when he puts some, a prompting on your heart, don't ignore that. Mm -hmm. Like Emily didn't ignore for me when she healed my shoulder. Don't ignore that because that's the moment when you call on Jesus a simple like mm-hmm. Jesus help mm-hmm. me come Holy Spirit yep. whatever you want to do Lord use me mm-hmm. and and at that moment that mm-hmm. is when you go into yeah. that yeah. situation and, and he awesome. will deliver mm-hmm. yeah just asking the Lord for his strategy in situations even and following it even when it sounds like wait that's crazy mm-hmm. like that's not gonna work that's not logical and yet mm-hmm. it, he provides and yeah, I just love that Lord. I think we do have to kind of wrap up our show for today but I think the what what's on my heart right now and maybe mm-hmm. you guys can share what's on your heart I just I'm really sensing that like, um, especially for all parents out there, that the Lord has you in the position that you're in for a reason that he's actually, he like family is so important, not just for the raising up of our children, but for the sowing of the gospel in the world. Mm-hmm. And that moms and dads are, are positioned in the world through school, through sports, through work, through business, all these different stratas of humanity mm-hmm. that we find ourselves in. And, and, and we're sensitive to the beauty of the faith of children mm-hmm. and at the same time this battle at hand in the world to be mm-hmm. the 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 one who's engaged mm-hmm. and just how exciting like i think the lord has a plan and a purpose for all of us and mm-hmm. are we running away from that plan and purpose or are we stepping into it yeah what's on my heart and it's been on my heart through the whole episode i think is is the the woman at the well actually and it's because in that story um we see jesus speak a hard truth in love mm-hmm. and he and he says something that you wouldn't think that the woman would be excited to share with the whole town, right? But he says something to her that, w- that was hard and true, but it was said from such a heart. And I think that if, if you're listening today and for us at this table even, yeah. I think this is going to be a season of that building of heart, that building of heart muscle, that that we could actually begin speaking hard truths with real authentic love. And people sense that. That woman at the well that day sensed that in the person of Jesus. And uh, Jesus lives inside of us. We get yeah. the same thing. Amen. What's uh, What's on my heart? Um, that I would I would offer up in prayer, you know. I I feel like there's there's probably people who are listening to the show today or watching this this podcast who, like as as Janine, you've you've spoken, that the target and the assignment that God has for you has been made abundantly evident, but you feel like you lack the capacity to be able to do anything about it. Hmm. And um, your 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 testimony is such a beautiful witness. I was I was thinking of a testimony of a woman that I worked with in Appalachia who was just the simplest, most unassuming woman in the world who ended up uh, fighting huge coal companies 
in in the national you know uh it, legal system mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. generating like amazing reform that ended up saving a, a region mm -hmm. uh like you you can do it and the way you do it is by is by starting where you're at where you're yeah. at start start simple and allow the lord to train you on the job mm -hmm. um come with a humble heart and a receptive spirit mm -hmm. and you'll you'll see what can happen when you say yes yeah mm -hmm. let's close in prayer in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen. Amen. amen lord we just pray for that right now for anyone who has uh, received an assignment from the holy spirit to engage in the secular world to be a light in the darkness we just pray holy spirit that you would fall on them right now that you would fill them with apostolic courage the same courage you gave the apostles at pentecost i pray you would pour it out on them right now yeah jesus the same Thank fire you. you put in the prophets lord i pray you would put that fire in them right mm -hmm. now the same love that jesus christ had for the lost sheep, I pray you would place that in their heart right now. Lord, I pray that they would be men and women of perfect courage, perfect Holy Spirit fire, and perfect love. I pray, Lord, that you would um, fill their their mouths with the words that need to be spoken, fill their, their minds with the strategy that needs to be executed. I pray, Lord, that you would move mountains through their ministry, that you would move mountains through their, their sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lord, we thank you so much for the gift of Janine and her life. We pray blessing over her ministry and let her words that she spoke today, Lord, impart upon us a, a strength and a confidence that allows us to say yes. Yeah. What you've done in her, God, do it again in others as they as they partake in this in this podcast and this show. Amen. Just, we consecrate all of the mm -hmm. all the work that we will do to the Immaculate Heart of Mary uh, as we pray. Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women, and blessed, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you guys. You've been listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. We've heard from a great missionary apostle in the world. Thank you so much, uh, Janine, for being on the show and sharing your story with others. If this episode has blessed you, please share it with others and help us spread the call to mission in the Catholic Church. Uh, we'll join you next week. 